Welcome to the Watermark Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm John McGee, and today I'm joined in the studio by John Cox. John, welcome. Hey, it is great to be here with you, John. <laughs> Have I ever told you the story of when people confuse me for you? Have I told no, you? No, I don't think I've heard that one. <laughs> this is this is this is flattering. This is a good way to start. So um, it was it was a guy in my neighborhood, and he goes, "We didn't know each other really well in uh, at, the, at the time, and we became good friends afterwards." But uh, he said, "Oh, you know, I've heard my friend was telling me all about you," and I was like, "Oh, that's you know, that's really nice." And he said he he said some really uh, like kind things. And he just kept telling me how smart you are. And, you know, I'd go, what? Well, I mean, I try not to brag, you know, but uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I, uh, I, I read a couple books. And uh, so he talks to me about that. And then he's like, and, and is it true that you, you haven't missed a day working out like in a thousand days? And I go, okay, yeah, that's a mistaken identity. You're talking about John Cox. My last name is McGee. And, uh, and we, you know, uh, it happens all the time. And he was, uh, he was calling me incredibly brilliant, smart, and disciplined. And um, I knew right away he was talking about you. Oh, well, that's kind of, yeah. You know, I'll tell you what he wasn't saying was ju- he's funny, you know, or something like that. <laughs> but uh, yes, so uh, it is, it is a, uh, it would be a compliment to be confused with John Cox. John is on our staff uh, again. We, uh, we reintroduced him um, to you and has a, you know, a lot of titles. Uh, it would take too long to tell you all the things he does here around Watermark. And one of the things you do, John, is work with, um, all of our campuses and, um, the ones that we've spun off, the ones that, um, uh, that we are working with right now. And that's kind of uh, your lane. And, uh, today we want to talk about kind of all things multi-site and yeah. kind of our own journey, uh, at Watermark, some principles that we've learned where we think this thing, uh, might be going. And it's a, it's, you know, it's a question that we get, uh, you know, here, how are you guys thinking about this? And so we thought we could just kind of lay this down uh, to help people, you know, kind of peer in and, and hear how we've thought about this and lessons learned. And this won't, this won't be a topic that everybody's going to care about, but there'll be some people that this will be very, very helpful for. So John, what if we, um, before we jump to principles, what if we just kind of walk through kind of our history here uh, at Watermark with uh, multi-site? And I think it really starts uh, in Fort Worth in uh, 2012. Yeah, it sure does. So in, in 2012, we had a group uh, about 40 people um, that lived in Fort Worth, which is a community that's about 45 miles from us uh, to the west, um, approach us and say, hey, we love the style of church that Watermark has. We love the values. Mm-hmm. We love the focus on the Bible. And would you think about starting a satellite church, uh, Watermark Satellite, in Fort Worth? And so it had been something that we had been thinking about uh, just for a number of years, but um, all of a sudden it became a, a live conversation. Yeah. And so uh, that's what started it. Yeah, that's right. And th- one of the things I remember is how kind of our elders approached that, and they said, uh, we will not build uh, a church for you to attend. We're not, we're not going to do that. But if you want to build a church uh, that you want to invite your friends to and that you want to reach your community, like we'll help you. But you need to be convinced that you would do that with or without us. Uh, because we're just not looking for points of distribution here to try to get more, you know, eyeballs or ears or uh, giving units, um, you know, around town. But if you want to like build a healthy, thriving church and, and view this as yours, uh, we're, we're going to help you. And um, and we didn't want a bunch of attenders that just kind of liked, you know, if we were a restaurant that they didn't like, you know, the way we made uh, our pizza more than the other guy. We wanted people that were going to be all in. And uh, it was great. Those people turned out uh, to kind of uh, be that. And so uh, so they kind of, they, they launch. Uh, we're meeting, you know, uh, meeting in a um, uh, the, the Ridgely Theater uh, there, which was right next to 
a shop that sold uh, drug paraphernalia, you know, right. so you never knew if you were going to meet because there might be a, a bust outside, like which literally happened. And remember the FBI was involved with, with that and tied at the property at some point. So really funny uh, story. And then they got a property and uh, really kind of began to track and, um, and become really, really healthy. And the story, kind of the, the end of it there. Yeah, is the story with the end of it was is that you know we've always said once you have kind of three things you have the option of spinning off on your own and those three things are one a lead communicator and leader, two um, uh, some mature men that can serve as the elders, and then three you're financially you can self support yourself yeah. and so those were kind of the three preconditions and once the the satellite achieved those then we really could have a conversation about did they want to stay up out of watermark or did they want to spin off and be their own independent church yeah and so they spun off and it was uh, it was a it was a great celebration it was really really fun and uh, it's a healthy congregation to this day and yeah that that uh, kind of three parts there uh, we say succinctly uh, a man men and means and once that triggered then you know we said all things being equal all things being equal if they if they are um we believe that a local autonomous church uh, is a better way to shepherd the people uh, there and um, so when they when they kind of crossed that threshold it was fun we lost in some ways you know ability to see some of our friends uh, a lot but um but they were free then to kind of do ministry uh, without you know, also having to manage this relationship, and it was really really fun. So, uh, same thing kind of happens uh, in uh, in Plano, a very very similar story, just up the road from us. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, you know, one of the things is Plano is probably 15 to 20 miles to the north of us. And uh, what we noticed was is there was a large percentage of our people that were coming from Plano. And uh, one of the things that is true about coming to church is the farther you live away from a church, the less likely it is that you're involved on a weekly basis. It's just harder to be involved with distance. And the other thing is, is, you know, when you want to invite your friends to come to church with you, uh, if it's five miles away, that's one thing. But if it's, you know, 15 or 20 miles away, you've really got to be committed mm-hmm. to make that drive consistently. And so the whole idea behind that was, is, hey, rather than having them come to church, let's take the church to them. And that's really what Plano was about. You know, another thing, John, is I think people were saying it's hard for us to invite our friends from Plano uh, as well. So yeah. we can, uh, not only is it difficult to attend, it's hard for us to invite our friends. And so, um, so very, very similar uh, pattern. They um, started a church. These people were all in, uh, whether we helped them or not, they were going to start this church. Um, they leveraged, you know, in many respects, kind of the, the trust of our church started a church there. Then when they had the man, the men, and the means, they launched, and uh, they're, they're doing great. Uh, both of those two campuses are completely debt-free. They've got, they've got buildings, um, and they, I think they hit viability, uh, health, a whole lot faster because they were, um, they were attached. It, weren't, it wasn't really a church planning strategy. It, it kind of turned into that, and uh, it's something I, I'm just really, really grateful uh, to have been a part of as our church is just uh, to see these two campuses uh, launch. So uh, our next campus was Frisco, which is even further up uh, from Plano. That's right. Like if you think about uh, Dallas like a clock where the, the our Dallas campus is at the center, the, uh, the Fort Worth campus is kind of at 9 o'clock, 45 yep. miles to the west. Uh, Plano is 1 o'clock. So it's about 20 minutes to the north of us, just but a little bit east. And Frisco was another 10, 15 miles beyond that, but it was at 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of at the northwest. And that was actually started out of our Plano campus. Yep. So the same thing happened where we had a big core group of people coming from Frisco, uh, and it was a distance. Yep. And so they decided at some point, hey, why don't we take the church 
to Frisco. And so that's how that one started. Yep. And so they uh, they are still uh, with uh, with us. They're uh, making plans to kind of uh, launch and become independent. And I think those will, you know, maybe even by the time this is published, uh, who knows that that could happen. And uh, it's been really really fun to watch uh, a group of people again that care about their friends, care about their community, and want to be uh, want to do that all you know uh, in those zip codes and and not down here. Uh, we've got another one out in Rockwall, which where would that be on the clock? Do you yeah, think? so Rockwall is at three o'clock, okay. and it's probably twenty five miles to the east of us. Yeah. And you know there is a big lake kind of between Rockwall and Dallas. So even though it's twenty five miles away, in many ways it is a different state yep. almost. You know um, the people that choose to live out there live out there for a reason. And um, they like the distance. There's more room. It feels less like you're in a suburban metropolis. Yeah. And so um, it is It is distinct from Dallas, even though it's really next door neighbors. Yeah. And so that group, uh, Frisco does not yet have a, a building. Uh, Rockwall definitely doesn't have uh, a building. They're a bit nomadic and uh, it's been really fun. One of the, one of the unique things about Rockwall was... Um, Generally, what happens is a church, you know, kind of satellite um, will start with a Sunday morning um, service. And then over time, they will add uh, additional midweek services, you know, Bible studies and things like that. And we actually flipped uh, because we did feel like those people could come to this campus on a Sunday morning. So they could get here, um, but it was really difficult on a you know Wednesday night at six o'clock. And so it was that was a, a, uh, quite a barrier. So we actually did, uh, which I thought was really great. We did midweek ministries out there um, so that people could uh, could participate uh, there, and then they came in initially to uh, to Sunday morning here. Now now they're meeting uh, out there, uh, but that was a, I thought that was a really unique way to start. I'd, I'm sure churches have done that. I, that was the first time uh, I'd ever seen that, and uh, and I think it worked really well. And there, but those people are uh, really really excited. Uh, they're moving, I think, um, you know, pretty quickly to uh, being autonomous. It'll be really fun to see uh, what happens out of there. So. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing I would say about that, too, is, is that uh, for those who you have listened to our podcast for a long period of time, you know that Sunday is not our church. Yeah. Sunday's the front door to our church and that a lot of our significant ministry really happens during the week. And so that's what enables us to then to say, hey, here is a church that, you know, is hard to get to during the week yeah. just because of the commutes and the traffic. And and so let's move some of our midweek ministries to them. Yeah. And so in many ways, it was the inverse of what we had kind of done in Plano. Yeah. And so, I, you know, that might be our kind of unique contribution to the to the conversation is to think about that, um, because it takes a lot of energy to start a Sunday morning kind of experience, kids ministry, that the whole all the equipment and things like that. But oftentimes it doesn't take a whole lot to you know have a Bible study for men or for women or an equipping class or recovery ministry uh, at a you know shopping center or something like that. It's, it's a much, much, much um, lower barrier to entry. And so for some churches that are thinking about expanding, that might actually be a unique way to start that. And you can actually begin to kind of, you know, build your presence um, in a community without some of the... Um, the friction uh, yeah, the of Sunday morning. Costs, yeah, really. yeah, yeah, all that. So, okay, Frisco, Rockwall, they're still with us. And one that's been really interesting uh, kind of came, uh, at least from my perspective, uh, as a bit of a surprise was South Dallas. Yeah. Yes. Can you talk about that one? Yeah, South Dallas. Well, South Dallas is a very different community. So it's, interestingly, it's probably the closest to us of any of the yep. satellites, right? It's probably 10 miles from our main campus. Uh, but the challenge there is it's a very different you know, economic area of Dallas. And um, and so in some ways, uh, we're, we're really crossing a cultural barrier there. 
And so the way we got into that was very opportunistic. It was interesting. So the city of Dallas was actually selling off some of its abandoned schools. Mm -hmm. And this was a middle school in South Dallas that had long been vacated. And, uh, you know, uh, we got it for a steal. Um, But the challenge, of course, is, you know, it's an old building. It's got asbestos. And so you've got to renovate it. And and there's really all of the costs are post-purchase. Yeah, it's uh, it was in, in many respects, you know, I hate to say this, but it was almost like a liability. Candidly. Yes, that's I mean, exactly yeah, right. And yeah. look, and the city, the the school district in Dallas would have been, I mean, they were just trying to get it off their hands. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it took, <laughs> so to say, you did use the word steal. And I, I guess, you know, per square foot, it would have been, but really what you, uh, you said yes to was a long-term vision to kind of build something there in that, in that community that was going to be, you know, uh, quite costly, you yeah. know, and, and across, uh, every, uh, every dimension. So, um, any updates there? Yeah. How, how are we thinking about that? What's, what's exciting down there? Well, in you know, so I, the, it's interesting to see the way we're starting down there. So I think the first thing you've always got to do is build trust. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that is a community just because it's a lot different than the one where our church is, uh, where we need to build trust. And so we've really started that off with a, a couple of different ideas. One is we've got a mobile healthcare clinic. And so there are a lot of people at Watermark, like at a lot of churches, that are in the medical professions. And uh, we have actually uh, started a couple of healthcare clinics that are nonprofit, where we serve, you know, just uh, economically disadvantaged communities uh, with healthcare. Yeah. And so um, that's just a way to love our community, yeah. love and serve. And so one of the things we're trying to do down there is we've got a mobile healthcare clinic, and we take that down there and just trying to love and serve that community and really build trust in the community itself. Yeah. And then the, the second thing we're doing is, is we've created a, a community development corporation, a CDC. Um, and the purpose, if you think about transforming a community, there's really two primary levers to do that. The, the first is job creation. You know, uh, you've got to do that if you're going to help people economically. And so they're focused on, you know, some job training and and helping people get jobs. And then the second way that you can transform a community is really through mentoring kids. Mm -hmm. And so where the focus is getting to kids early and um, and then just shepherding them and, you know, being big brothers, big sisters and and helping them out there. And so the CDC is focused on the first of those. Mm -hmm. It's focused on um, helping with jobs. They're doing some financial literacy uh, training down there, and then also a matched savings program. So we've partnered, interestingly, with some commercial banks and who have incentives uh, to be involved in the community. Yeah. And so uh, they are partnering with us, and we're trying to help people just to establish, you know, kind of savings plans and um, and help them from an economic perspective just to improve their, their life situations. Yeah, that's awesome. And we just had, uh, we just hired uh, our leader uh, down there, which we've been looking for for a while, really excited. Uh, to kind of uh, watch him uh, go down there, and that one, that one's going to be a little bit different in that, you know, all the the campuses that we mentioned before them, we started with kind of streaming in uh, our content, our our, our preaching on Sunday morning, uh, and that one will be uh, much more. The teaching will come from the people in that community and the leaders that are there on the ground. Yeah, that's exactly right. In other words, this is one not where we're trying to transplant a bunch of people from the yeah. Dallas main campus down to South Dallas. We're really trying to start off and say, hey, can we raise up leaders um, and believers in South Dallas that can then help uh, to transform their own community? Yeah, that's good. Okay, so we're going to jump to some principles here in a second, but. Um, do you feel like there's been a, a shift in the way that we have viewed campuses from the, you know, very back of the, you know, 2012, so we're looking at, you know, almost uh, 10 years ago to uh, today, has there been like any uh, shifts, any learnings, any any tweaks in the way that we've 
just even approached all things multi-site? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. I think one of the things that was initially attractive about multi-site to us was, you know, you often hear people talk about church planting as a way to extend the gospel and, mm-hmm. and the church. And, uh, you know, church planting is hard. Let's just acknowledge it right out of the gate. And you, and you, you would know. And uh, I would know. You know, I, uh, back in almost seems like a different lifetime, I was involved in starting a church yeah. in the northern Virginia suburbs of Washington, yeah. D.C. Yeah. And um, and so if you look at just the statistics of church planters, uh, what you see is, is that it's very hard to be successful over a sustained period of time. Yeah. And um, on the other hand, multi-sites... Right. So, you know, you often hear that 20 percent of church plants are thriving five years after they start. But uh, in multi-sites, it's the reverse. You know, 80 percent of the campuses you start with multi-sites are thriving after five years. So because you've got a mother church that is helping, you know, to lend them resources and talents and abilities. And so uh, that's we just felt like it was a more effective way to 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 extend the gospel. Yeah. And uh, and so that's why it was initially of interest to us. And, uh, you know, I think uh, Fort Worth uh, was initially attractive. Uh, One, you know, we've kind of had a vision of could we start satellites in cities with major college campuses Mm -hmm. in this in Texas and felt, you know, TCU, of course, is in Fort Worth's backyard. And um, and so that was an attractive area for us. Uh, for that reason. And then once we had a, you know, a core group of 40 people raising their hands saying, hey, would you come and we want to help you start this? Yep. Um, you know, I think um, that's one of the big challenges right out of the gate is to build a core group. Yep. And yep. so that's kind of how we got into it. But yeah, we've learned, you know, in fact, we'll talk about them today, but we've learned, you know, a lot of lessons, uh, some the hard way. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is we want you to learn on our dime. It's free lessons. Yeah, that's exactly free lessons. right. I do remember going back to, uh, you know, the, the stats around church plants and um, the stats around multi-site. And, and there are some things you can do uh, if you're wise about church planting that really do really do increase the odds of, of viability. But I remember you're just like very unemotionally. These were not your words, but this is a really good summary. Like, guys, this is just math. Like, what, what are we doing? Like, this is a much more um, proven way to start churches is with this multi-site. And I remember you just going, just just look at the numbers. Like, we can we can be all excited about, you know, uh, what what people are doing or what other, get caught up in what other churches are doing. I think this is just wise and prudent. And I still remember you just kind of banging that drum. And, uh, and it was, and, you know, I think uh, at least, you know, so far we're two for two. And uh, that uh, that's a pretty good, pretty good hit rate uh, for that. I also think that, you know, John, from my perspective, there was a, um, a, a bit of a kind of a, a bias shift along the way. Initially, uh, we didn't really plan, didn't have a, a stated plan to spin these churches off. It was, um, it was something that, you know, we thought we could do, but we weren't convinced that we should do. And along the way, as we began to kind of walk with these campuses and really feel like a, a shepherding burden uh, to give an account for the souls of people who, you know, lived 45 minutes away, uh, we thought, you know what, these guys are going to be better served if they're uh, shepherded, cared for, if all the accountability there is uh, is local and they're autonomous. And so there was a bit of a shift uh, as we as we just began to learn. So so now, you know, what started as a could could we, um, you know, might we really move to a yeah, we, we should. We, we should uh, spin these campuses uh, off, all things being equal. And that was that was a shift. And like anything, you just can't know until you put one foot in front of the other and you start to learn. Um, but that, that really is our bias. The, the, I think the Fort Worth um, you know, campus was, was helpful for us to understand. There is, a, uh, there is some type of geographical threshold that you 
need to keep into consideration. So we don't have, at least, you know, currently we don't have campuses in other states, uh, for example. And so um, we just, for us anyway, felt like it would be really hard to shepherd people uh, across state lines. So others do it, and this isn't the podcast about that. But that's uh, we learned, I think, that there's a, you know, almost like you could take your your compass from you know fifth grade math and draw a circle. And there's something there that you probably, for us anyway, we need to stay within. Outside of that, um, and we're going to support you. We're going to help you. We're going to you know, resource you any way we can. But we're not going to we're not going to play the game of being accountable. Uh, for the souls of people that are outside of that kind of geographical area. Yeah, I, th- I think what you would say is, listen, as the distance increases between, you know, the the home church and, and the satellite, it gets more difficult yeah. in, in, you know, multiple ways. And so, uh, you know, this is already difficult enough. Why do you want to make it harder? <laughs> and so, you know, let's That's hit so... the easy button. So John Cox, right there. Um, welcome to my world. That's John is always why why are you making this so hard? Let's let's keep this simple. Life can be all of life can be distilled down into three points. Ask John anything, he can give you uh, the three points uh, on on what you need to know. Okay, so John, um, we we brought uh, kind of six principles uh, that might be helpful for churches to think about. Is there you know thinking about multi site? Maybe they're in multi site. Maybe they're thinking about accelerating multi site. Uh, so n- number one is just to be clear on your why. Talk about that. Yeah. So here, you know, we've talked a a little bit earlier in the podcast just about how there's two kinds of satellites. There is reach satellites where you are trying to reach a new area. You don't have a lot of people coming from that area and you're trying to extend your presence into a new community. And so if you are doing that, right, you've got a unique set of challenges, and that is transplanting your DNA, getting volunteers into that area and, and those kinds of things. The second way that you do satellites is relief. And so a relief campus is, you know, in Watermark's instances, our Sunday services were full, okay? And then we had a significant number of people coming from a nearby community. In this, in this instance, it was Plano. And so the whole idea was, let's take the church to them, right? And so we'll make our presence stronger in Plano. We will also free up room for non-believers to come to our main Dallas campus. Yeah. So we call that relief. And so you've got to understand that those are two different drivers for why you would start satellites, and um, and each comes with its own significant advantages and challenges. Yep. And so you got to understand that. Okay, so here's time for bold prediction. The next 24 months, you're not going to hear of a church start a campus for relief because of COVID, because numbers won't come back and churches won't be thinking about multi-site in terms of relief, which really, probably 10 years ago, was, was one of the biggest drivers. And uh, so we can... We yeah. can play the tape back uh, a couple years from now. Yeah, you know what I think is true. It's just, so at the time we're recording this, it's just about to be the summer of 2021. And uh, one of my own pet hypotheses is that uh, by September 1 of this year, everybody that is coming back will be back. Yeah. And so I think, you know, there's going to be a new normal. We're not sure how many people will have stay away. But I think at that point, you, you know, anybody who's coming back is back. Yeah. And then we'll grow from there. There we go. Okay. So uh, number two, uh, second principle is just to start with a leader. What do you mean by that? I think the reason starting with a leader is so important is, you know, I always phrase it, listen, I've got enough things to lie awake at night and think about, and I want somebody else lying awake at night and thinking about it. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, this is a thoroughly biblical concept. Anytime God wanted to start something, he always started with a leader. So whether that was Abraham or Moses or Joseph or Joshua... It always started with God raising up a leader. And so um, that is one of our uh, foundational things. When we're thinking about, do we start a a new satellite campus? It's, has God raised up the leader? 
And um, that person is responsible for making sure the DNA gets transplanted. They're making sure that we're building leaders. They're making sure that we are encouraging and developing our volunteers. But, um, you know, everything revolves around that leader and by extension, their leadership team. Yeah. So we would never say it this way, but, uh, you know, this is overstatement. But there's a sense a lot of times when we go to start something, you know, the question is, is God in this? Well, if there's no leader, then currently the answer is no. Uh, because it seems like if he was in it, then we were gonna we would have a leader, and we'll just wait until that happens. And that's for multi-site or new ministries or new initiatives. Uh, you always want to make sure that you start with a leader. So that's really good. Number three, this is your mantra: keep it simple. What do you mean by that? Yeah, well, I think, listen, the, the big challenge is, is that uh, when you start a new satellite is to start too many ministries too soon. And so the way to think about the way that I think about this anyway, is that there are kind of a couple of core ministries for Watermark. There's the Sunday morning service. There's obviously children's you know, ministry that goes on during Sunday morning. And then there are community groups. Those are the three core things that we want to have in any of our satellites. And the idea is, is let's focus all of our energy and attention on making those three things great. And then once they are, are doing well, then, uh, you know, we can that will attract uh, people and resources and then we can start other things. But but the big challenge is, is that there is always a rush to make the satellite exactly like the mother church. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is, is someone will say to you, well, I would love to come to the satellite, but you don't have a high school ministry. And so, you know, then you feel like you've got to start a high school ministry. And then the next family comes along and they're like, well, but you don't have a junior high ministry or you don't have a college ministry. Um, And so what ends up happening is, is out of need, you try and start too many things too soon and you get spread too thin. And all of a sudden, um, you know, you're just overwhelming your volunteers and everyone is tired and exhausted and, um, you know, and things aren't going well. That's right. So you can think about if we were in, you know, Silicon Valley, we'd be talking about minimum viable products and we would be shipping things, you know, uh, without all the bells and whistles uh, quickly. And, and and that is always it seems like I think, you know, John, you and I have been in conversations with other churches who have done a lot of multi-site. And it seems like the trend line uh, is from, you know, up high and on the left of um, almost like a one to one clone uh, to it in, in terms of complexity and and uh, and feature richness. And then it just, as, as time marches on, uh, it just goes down and to the right in terms of like uh, sim- simplicity and decreasing the number of offerings and starting really uh, with that minimal viable product. The, the things that you talked about, like we probably need these for today in America to have a church. So let's do those. And then if we want to add something else, we totally can, but we can, we can function with just these. Let's start there. So generally, if you talk to people who have started a lot of multi-sites, that will be their trend. And if you haven't started any, uh, be aware, that's generally how this goes. And so you can just start there instead of like, uh, how, how we did and, and, uh, many others have. Yeah. yeah. And I would say, uh, listen, the more ministries you have in your church, the harder it's going to be yeah. for you to start satellites. Yeah. And so if you've got just a couple of things you do and it's Sunday centric, that is a much easier kind of uh, philosophy and strategy to replicate. And so one of the big challenges for Watermark is so much of our life is really those midweek ministries. And that makes it more difficult for us to start satellites, you know, if you don't have those uh, in the first couple of years. That's right. That's right. So, um, you know, In-N-Out Burger, they've got like three kinds of, you know, uh, offerings. It's so, so simple. 
um, easy to stand those up, you know, and no one's mad um, because they, they always have the same offerings everywhere because it's called a brand connotation. Uh, Jack in the box, you know, which is a terrible analogy. They have so many crazy things on that menu, you know, which is a lot of that's that's more like our church and a lot of other churches. And someone only comes in for, you know, the taco, the Jack in the box, taco, which I don't know who who would ever go to the Jack in the box taco, but it's on the menu because someone goes there and they would be really upset if they went to a Jack in the yeah. box, didn't have the taco. So yeah. uh, you want to be, you know, uh, think more like like uh, in and out Burger than Jack in the Box. Yeah, it's so funny you I say that, that. Because, you know, the, my very first case in business school uh, was on Benihana's. Okay. And, you know, on Benihana's had a simple menu. Yeah. And um, so it was an operations case, but it was just the genius of Benihana's. And, and the, the funny thing was that uh, that wasn't super intentional on their part. They had kind of just happened into it. But um, it had served them so well. And so our very first case in business school was, here's how you should think about operations. Keep it simple. Yeah, that's good. Uh, okay, uh, number four is pretty close corollary. Um, focus on values and not programs. What do you mean by that? Yeah, well, one of the things we say around here is that an average leader will focus first on programs, um, whereas a, a good leader will focus on values. And here's what we mean by that. Let's just say that we decided that Watermark was lousy at evangelism. And we needed to fix that. And so an average leader would say, hey, I need a program that's going to help my people learn how to do evangelism. Mm -hmm. And so they'll put all of their energy on the program. But what will often happen is they'll get the program going and nothing changes. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas a good leader will say, hey, I have a values problem. And the problem I've got is that my people don't go to sleep at night thinking that there is a, a, a heaven and a hell. And that their friends, their family, their coworkers, right, have are going to live on beyond this death, and they're going to end up somewhere. Yeah. And so, if we can help people to understand that value that people are eternal, then um, you know, then it makes it we can come alongside of the value with a program to help our people. But now they are motivated. Yeah. The program's not going to motivate them. The values will. Yep. And so just think about that over and over again. What are the values that we're trying to accomplish? And so would those, uh, would it, the best way to do that would be to replicate the church that we came from, or is there even a new way uh, to do that? So just keep focusing on values, values, values. You always have a values problem uh, more so than uh, a program problems. Okay. Yeah, and I think one final thing on that too is, is that that's one of the reasons why a relief campus is easier than a reach campus. Because yeah. you start with a core group and that core group has your DNA and they embody your values. If you're going to do a campus that's far away from you, that is a reach campus, right? Now you need to build that core group and you've got to figure out how do I transplant the values and the DNA from the home church into this satellite. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, next one is to begin with the end in mind. What do you mean by that? Okay. So this is one where we made a mistake. And the question here is, is if you start a satellite, is it always going to be a satellite or is there going to be some point in the future where it spins off yes. into an independent yes. church? And if you can figure that out on the front end, right, then you uh, then you will design it in such a way to make that transition easier. Mm -hmm. And so Watermark, when we started Satellites, a lot of the a lot of the value we saw in it was that, hey, we can get our best speakers and get that message across multiple campuses and we can take the strengths and um, and leverage those and free up some of the satellites to do different things. So the, all of the focus was on that. Mm -hmm. And I think what we just underestimated was that uh, Watermark is a very entrepreneurial church. Mm -hmm. And so uh, by almost, you know, surprise, the satellites were very entrepreneurial. Yeah. And so what would happen is, is, you know, the satellites wanted to run their own offense. 
And we were saying, no, 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 you need to run the offense that the home church runs. And it just, it created tension. Yeah. And I think what we realized over time was, is, you know, first, um, we wanted to enable that creativity. And so, um, you know, we were, uh, we moved from really, it's okay if you become an independent church to, we think that's best. Yep. And then I think the elders would come alongside and say, hey, uh, the best people to shepherd a local body are the ones that are living in that body. Yep. And it is very difficult to do that if you are 15 miles away, or and even more difficult if you're 50 or 75 or 100 miles away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think when you know, if you know going in, so things like we ran into this twice was naming. And uh, they would, you know, in effect, leverage the the name of Watermark. And then when they went to spin off, all of a sudden we had to have conversations about, well, should you be called Watermark or not? Would that be confusing to the brand? And so in Fort Worth, they are still called Watermark up in Plano. They changed, you know, they were so close. Uh, we thought people are going to be searching for, you know, marriage ministry or for our merge or regen or uh, re-engage some of our, uh, our other kind of flagship ministries, and they're not going to know which is which. And so uh, they had to change their name. Well, had we had we thought that through um, deeply on the front end, we would have started with a different name and almost like a, a powered by, you know, watermark. So you see a, an offering that'll say powered by Intel or, or whatever. Uh, it would have been uh, City Bridge, you know, a, a watermark community church uh, location or something like that. That's that's how we would have started. But anything you can get out in front of, um, yeah, just I, think about that and 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 begin that way. Yeah, and I think the other area where it really shows up is in you know what a, a business would call shared services, yeah. which is IT and then you know finance and accounting. And so initially that area is handled you know by uh, the parent church. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but if you're going to set up an IT system, right, and you know the satellite is going independent, then you want to set up a satellite system that is going to thrive with a smaller church, an independent church that doesn't require the manpower to maintain it. Yes. And so, listen, we learned that one the hard way. (laughs) Yes. So we've got some pretty robust systems around here that are really unnecessary if you're just not this size and complexity. So again, uh, you'll have your own list, but please learn from us uh, on those if you're uh, in the thick of it. Uh, Okay. Last one. Um, And and it's this, is to have the hard conversations around uh, several topics. So uh, let me let me name three here. Uh, number one, resources. Uh, two, autonomy that you talked about just a little bit uh, already. And also uh, three, shepherding. So resources, autonomy, shepherding, have the difficult conversations on the front end uh, around those. What do you mean by that? Well, I think resources is a big one, right? So I think a, a mistake that churches often make with their first satellite is they buy them a building. And, um, you know, once you've done this two times or three times, you realize that is not a scalable strategy. And so right out of the gate, you want to figure out, okay, how are we going to allocate resources to the satellite such that we are going to um, encourage and help them to thrive, but also so that they can, it's easier for them to be independent. Yeah. You know, we do not want to saddle them with a financial burden um, that they cannot support independently. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Uh, And what do you mean just, you know, around autonomy? What are your, you you hinted at that earlier. Yeah, this is really around the whole entrepreneurial, right? So if if a a satellite is connected to a home church, right, then uh, it's best if they're making the same kinds of decisions, the same kinds of strategies, the same kinds of initiatives. It gets much more challenging if the satellite wants to run a different offense 
than the home church is running. And so here, it's just all about autonomy, which is uh, what can the satellite do? How much autonomy do they have? How much decision-making freedom? And if you can establish the parameters of that beforehand, you avoid a lot of misunderstandings, Mm -hmm. which can erode trust, you know, one or two or three years in. Yep, that's right. So um, those are not always really fun conversations to have. Um, but if you can get it on the front end of those and really be clear and really make sure that uh, everybody's aligned on how you're going to handle it, it's just going to save you a lot of conversations, a lot of grief. So resources, autonomy, how you're going to care for and shepherd uh, your people, make sure you have uh, those difficult conversations. So uh, really good principles. Um, so John, I want to talk about potentially what might be next for um, you know the church and think about uh, multi-site. This was, a, this was a topic that felt pretty stale uh, for a while. I didn't even cross my mind to do um, you know, an episode on, on this. Uh, and then right before COVID boy, things started to happen. You were, you were seeing a lot of big name churches, uh, move very, very quickly to spin off, uh, their campuses. Uh, you saw, uh, church out in, uh, in the Carolinas that closed all their campuses. They said, um, you know what, uh, the road systems have changed here in our city. We're closing all campuses. We think we're more effective. We can get everyone back in, um, you know, under one, one roof. And a lot of things are happening. And then COVID and which we had to reimagine church kind of, uh, overnight. And so this is a really interesting time. Uh, un- unlike maybe the last five years, which felt pretty kind of mundane plug and play. Um, and so I was talking to, uh, Greg Ligon and Greg was, you know, really one of the first people that was started to kind of study multi-site and, you know, write the books and all that kind of stuff. And I said, Hey, what, what's kind of 2.0, uh, for all this, we, we were talking recently. Uh, and he said, you know, definitely the, the whole COVID thing is, um, is, is going to play a, a part here. People now are much more comfortable watching at home or watching at home with smaller groups. And so the kind of the, the whole micro church thing, you know, you're gonna have to decide, um, what, what is the function of a church? What does a church do? You know, think Acts 242. And how far can you push that down? How far can you make these? Can you make these not just distribution points or, or watch parties? Can you actually make these churches, which will be a really good you know, conversation. Thinking about, I think um, some churches thought either online or uh physical. And, and I think, you know, Walmart is kind of an example of someone who's trying to do both and churches probably going forward are going to have to think about kind of both of those. I think, um, people, uh, some churches, unfortunately coming out of COVID that financially, they just might not be viable. And so they're probably going to be uh, buildings that are available to uh, purchase. There's going to be congregations that need to merge, um, with others. There's going to be just a lot of different, um, opportunities. Uh, and this, again, it would just be a, it's a unique time to think about this. Um, and this, this is one that Greg said, I thought was really, really interesting. He said, I think what's going to happen, um, is that churches are going to be, some churches are going to be a lot like Marriott. And, um, and what he meant by that was that there will be kind of a parent brand. So in our case, it would be watermark, but we might show up in different communities, maybe a community that spoke Spanish. We might show up as a different, uh, a different brand, uh, or demo, you know, just whatever demographics uh, would be, uh, we're gonna we're gonna show up differently. We're trying to reach uh, a certain kind of person. We're gonna show up differently. So, uh, Marriott has the parent brand of uh, Marriott, but then they've got you know the Westin, and they've got the Ritz, and they've got Residence, and some people really have no idea that that's attached to the Marriott brand. They just They'd love to always stay uh, at the residence. And some people, they will only go to one of those brands. They've got the points, you know, and those kind of things. They actually don't even care what the presenting brand is. And so he thought that, that there might be a little bit more localized kind of future for churches that, that think of themselves kind of as this, you know, the bus- in business speak, it would be a house of brands. 
and that um, that might be an, an effective way to kind of reach a community, which I thought was really, really interesting. So do you have any other thoughts about what could be next for the church? Well, listen, what I would say is the, the one thing that we know is, is, you know, there's no perfect solutions out there. Mm. Um, and so strategy is about choices. And, you know, uh, what we always say is any idea in isolation is always <laughs> a good idea. And so um, it's really, that's the wrong question. The right question is, is how would I prioritize this idea relative to all of the other good ideas yeah, I have? Yeah. And so as you think about whether or not to do satellites and one satellite or a few satellites or no satellites, um, it's, it's about the choices you make. And if you understand uh, there's no perfect solutions, what are the problems I am choosing? And if you can't articulate what those potential problems will be, then you probably need to think about it more. Because I think what we've learned is, is there are no perfect solutions. And so each of these answers um, has particular strengths and each comes with weaknesses. And so, um, you know, that is why that's one of the great things about the church is there's lots of people doing lots of strategies out there. And, um, and a lot of them are working. Yeah. You know, I love Rick Warren's, uh, you know, his age-old principle, which is it takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, we're just grateful that all of you guys out there are thinking about this. Yeah. And we would love to hear from you uh, just in terms of what you're learning, because that would really help us maybe learn some lessons the easy way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Let's close with this, John. Um, so a church is kind of on the fence and they go, why, why should we even think about this? Why? What would be the payoff? What would be the value? Um, we're trying to you know, kind of live out the Great Commission and multi-site. So I'm not asking you to sell anybody um, at all. Um, but if what, what would you say has been you know, a benefit or two for us uh, with this strategy? Well, I, I think the biggest benefit is it al- it's allowed us to take the church to people, yeah. right? And so we know that, um, you know that people need to find Jesus. And, um, you know, and a lot of times they will not come to us. If we can get into their communities and, you know, have one-on-one conversations and interact with people and love and build trust, right, then we can have influence. And so I think this is just one effective tool among many in which um, you're taking the church to a new community or to a particular people. And, um, and that can be really effective. That's awesome. You know, the one I've told churches, I think recently is the whole leader development uh, piece. And so one of the things that was happening at Watermark was we were, you know, raising up and in some ways collecting these incredible staff people that, uh, you know, we just had this really, really deep bench and there was no place for them to go up and they weren't getting frustrated, but boy, you could see that kind of on the horizon, they're going to have to leave. And we just created an opportunity for them to go uh, and lead. And I, I've got names and faces there that, that people that were about to kind of cross this threshold of, of being bored or underutilized that are playing all out now at other campuses. And I would say the same thing for lay people, that there were some people that went to, you know, this campus here in Dallas and now are at other campuses. And I watch, I, I um, and I'll show up at these campuses and I'll go, oh my goodness, like you, you're leading uh, and using your gifts with, you know, incredible kind of energy in a way that you weren't here because opportunities were a little bit harder to find. And it just creates opportunities for people to grow, to use their gifts. And that, that's really fun. Now it's hard cause I lose, I lost a lot of friends. Um, you know, I lost the ability to, to have, um, hallway conversations, but the kingdom one and they, uh, they're using their gifts and they're really, really happy. Yeah. Uh, you know, a great analogy for that is kind of the school districts in and around Dallas. So there is one school district in a suburb North of us called Allen. And they decided to build one giant high school. And it is one of the biggest high schools in the state of Texas. And, you know, in Texas, everything is large. So Texas, yeah. But I think it's it's north of 5,000 people. 
And uh, the city next to it, Frisco, has chosen a different strategy. Rather than build one giant high school, they've got six or seven medium-sized high schools. And so the advantage there is you've got six or seven football teams, six or seven bands, six or seven student councils. And you allow people to get much more engaged yeah. and a lot more people opportunities to lead and develop. Yeah. And so if you don't know uh, Allen High School, that doesn't mean anything. Google the stadium and just prepare to be amazed. Yeah. So uh, two different ways to go about it. And um, and so uh, but that, that's been that's been really fun. It's been really, really fun to watch people get to use their gifts in a way that they just didn't quite have the outlets. So, well, great. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining us. I think there's some really good thoughts um, there. And uh, we really appreciate you listening today. If you have any questions or comments for us, we can always be reached at clp at watermark.org, clp at watermark.org. We'll talk to you again next time.